Hey friends, it's Emily and Nicole, and we are going to be your hosts for Belonging, where we are going to get straight to the heart of the matter. Let's unpack together what it truly means to belong in an uninviting society when living with or affected by a disability. This is a conversation where we will share one story at a time while educating one another on God's view of disability, building awareness, and changing perspectives. Come as you are and be prepared to hear the real, raw truth. Welcome back, friends. We are so glad you're tuning in for another episode. And today we have an awesome guest with us that Emily is going to introduce us to. All right. So today our guest um, is joining us from Tampa, Florida. I'm a little jealous since it's warmer there than it is here in Richmond. Um, She went to the University of Alabama for uh, undergrad and the University of Richmond for graduate school. She got her master's in curriculum and instruction with a specialization in special education. And how I know our guest, uh, she was one of Anna Kate's teachers at North Star Academy, where Anna Kate went um, from middle school to high school. And I have to say that she also was one of Anna Kate's favorite teachers when she was at North To know her is to love her. Um, But the other special piece about our guest today is not only is she a educator in the special education world. She is also a um, parent to an eight-year-old son with autism. And we just think that her perspective um, is going to be really interesting to our listeners today. So without further ado, we would love to welcome Lauren Pastor to the podcast. Yay! Hi! Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Oh, we are excited to have you. Very excited, and thanks for calling in. Just kind of wish we were in Florida with you, because it's probably warmer down there. <laughs> um, it is um, Florida cold, so it is definitely warmer than Virginia, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we're going to get more snow, so. You're not missing the yeah. Virginia <laughs> winters, are you? I'm really not. That first snowstorm that y'all had, I was like, hmm. It's not, I'm not missing this at all. <laughs> Where you're like, oh, let me go to the beach and just send everybody a picture of me on the beach while they're in the snow. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. It was kind of, yeah. And Lauren, when did you move down to Florida? We actually moved, um, right, we moved right at the end of summer, like a, the first week of August. So we haven't been here that long. So it's been kind of an interesting journey very big transition for our entire family and especially with like I call my son baby Peter so if yeah I'll I'll probably say that so with Peter his um like just having to find new services like everything new school system all that stuff it's been a big uh big transition yeah big transition I'm sure um Let's just jump right in. I want to come back to that um, in a little bit. But let's jump in and tell us one fun fact about yourself. Um, I guess that my fun fact would be that, um, I don't know, this one was like a hard one for me. Um, I guess that I didn't go to school to be a teacher at first. And I, both my parents were educators and I basically said, I will never be a teacher. 
And yeah, like as soon as I graduated and worked, I, I did event planning. And as soon as I worked for about a year, I discovered that I didn't enjoy my career choice. So I went back to school to become a teacher. So awesome. that is my, I guess, interesting tidbit. Yeah. What made you decide when you went back to school to get into the um, world of special education? So while I was, um, when I started like the program at U of R, it, you start out and it's just like for teaching, teaching licensure. So I was working as like a substitute teacher, which I think everybody who is thinking about maybe they want to be a teacher should be a substitute, go sign up to be a substitute. Schools need it right now. Um, and I would sub a lot in spe- in a lot of special ed classes and I just really enjoyed it a lot and I enjoyed the students and it I just felt like that was like kind of what I thought I would like to do and um, I went on to get my master's and during my classes I actually had Dr. West like the former head of school and one of and the former um, school psychologist at North Star as my professors one semester and they happened to like just um they had a position open up mid-year and I had applied just to be a substitute and she called me in for an interview and said okay so would you like to teach middle school social studies and science sure <laughs> like so <laughs> like it was it was kind of whirlwind so I started like in the middle of the year I started in January or like around this time of the year so wow. was, yeah Fast, wow. fast pushed in down to that, or you got pushed into that real fast. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, because there's always a need. Always. There and is like always you just said, go sub right now, please. We do need it big time. I work in the school systems and we need a lot of that right now. Oh, yeah. And it's, I, I can imagine. Yeah. Nobody, and nobody wants to do it. No. Mm. Uh, so another fun thing about you, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? Um, I feel like I would want to like live in, I would like to go and try to live somewhere like in like Europe, maybe like Switzerland or somewhere like that. Like, I don't know, just we're doing that beach life here now, so I can check that one off. So (laughs) Switzerland would be amazing. Having been there myself, I can tell you that they take care of their um their people and it's the one place that I said wow I can really see us bringing Anna Kate here and everything being okay um accessibility wise and everything yeah that was like um I I I went there as well and like I just the people and how their government works and everything like that like it's everybody's taken care of everybody's happy it really, they really are. It was like, I don't know. It was one of my favorite places I've ever been. Rolling into some deep questions. Um, you know, the podcast Emily and I have named it is Belonging. And we really want to ask that question, even though it might be a really tough response and tough thing, pretty deep thing to respond to and ask with a lot of vulnerability. But it's something that we think is super important for her and I to discuss and also for our guests. So um, 
can you just tell us what you feel belonging, um, what it means to you and how do you see yourself in this world? And um, yeah, you take it away with what you think belonging is like to you. Um, so I think belonging is being able to be with a group and have like them not like be like a judgment free zone. Like, do you feel like you can be totally you like, and they can see the good, the bad, the ugly, unconditional love. Um, there's actually like, I, we used to have a theme like thematics throughout the year at North Star and one of the things is like we talked about was like feeling like a sense of a group and belonging Mm -hmm. and there's this really cute old MasterCard commercial that's like the priceless commercials do y'all remember those like I think they still do them but at the top of my head but like it's like basically like they'll like list out like prices of things and then they're like experience of a lifetime priceless but this one is to like it's like this little kid dancing and he's kind of like doing this weird robot and it's like backpack $20 and he's dancing to we want the funk and then two other kids come in and um it's and like it says being around people who understand you priceless Mm -hmm. and it's like the cutest I mean because these kids are just kind of dancing like nobody's watching but like the kid was by himself at first and then these two kids just kind of started picking up his same moves it like I was like that actually is the perfect example of belonging you just have people who get it and get you um I think individually I feel like I belong but as like Peter's mom that's like a hard world to navigate so like the tit like how you would like make mom friends is like through like play groups and like that kind of thing. Peter isn't a great play date. I'm just gonna throw it out there. <laughs> like he's not like I wouldn't want to have a play date with him. And like I love him and like he just, you know, so my friends that I've had for a long time, it's you know, who have friends kids similar age to him are like much more accepting so like trying to like go out and find new friends it's like he doesn't like he's not like a real good first date is what I would call it so um and it's just like a weird like right now I'm I'm in like this weird like I you were calling it in this podcast your season has changed mine has too so like I am not teaching right now and I'm stay-at-home mom and I you know this is new for me and so like meeting people I think is like and especially with also the pandemic it's just it feels like how do you make friends when you don't go to like an actual like I I don't know how to make friends because I've haven't had to do it for a really long time like I had a job where I had friends and I had like my friends in Richmond that had been my friends for a long time so making friends as an adult is like really weird and hard. (laughs) Yeah. And that ties back into how you were saying that your moving transition is a little bit of a difficult piece, probably not just for you and your family, but for Peter and yeah. And don't worry um, for our listeners, we're going to get to who Peter is and why um, Lauren's on the podcast, but just thinking of all the transitions that you guys are family with only being in Florida for a couple couple months and really getting your bearings and truly belonging in a brand new place brand new community everything um but I love that you said that it's an unconditional love um 
I've been doing a little bit of reading on unconditional love and I'm not a parent, but a lot of people compare unconditional love to what it's like to be as a parent. Um, And as you and Emily are both parents, I'm sure you can have a million examples and reasons why that fits with like a worldly understanding of unconditional love. Um, So just interesting. I love that you said that since that's been a little bit of vocabulary and some reading and studying that I've been doing lately. Um, Oh gosh. I was going to say like, so Anna Kate's class at North star. um, It was like an amazing group. I've never, like I've never really taught a group quite like as they just all got each other and like, (laughs) And if somebody did something that was, like, off and had a bad day, like, they were just such a, like, forgiving and, like, understanding group. And they all truly, like, cared for each other and really loved each other. Like, I mean, like, I, it was, they were an amazing group. And I called them my ladies because it was, like, it was actually, like, in, you know, in the special ed world, it's usually more boys than girls. It was actually her class. There were a lot of girls, not Mm -hmm. as many boys. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, North Star definitely was a special, special place. Um, And that was one of the first things that really stood out to us was, I think it was one of the first birthday parties where it was the first time, and by birthday parties, I mean, I I think it was like her 12th or 13th birthday. Um, Will and I were actually able to take a step back and not be hands-on because everybody came around her and did everything that we would do when we were at bowling. And we just looked at each other and were like, what is this? Like, we've never experienced. And that was exactly what we had wanted for her. And we, you know, that's the belonging we wanted. Like, they got her, you know, and it just took over. And that was that way all the way through until she graduated. I mean, it's like a family. It was what's so bizarre about like, and it's just like such a like, I like, I can't describe the feeling of like watching it because it's so like, I, you know, got to see it at school every day, but it wasn't because they like were, it wasn't like in a public school environment where it was like, maybe sometimes like they felt sorry for her no they like truly enjoyed her and like were doing it because they liked her not because they like it was like because they felt like they should it wasn't it's not inclusion it's in it you know in a way like where you're just here because they said you have to be you like actually truly belong here you're part of our our gang (laughs) right I agree 100% I have a question for you but I want to come back to this question after you um answer another question for us because it ties into um you explaining first about Peter so can you just share a little bit about um your son Peter since your husband is also Peter um about his diagnosis and kind of like where you are right now present day with him all right so I'll I refer to him as baby Peter ironically my husband was baby Peter until this current baby Peter was born um so he was born in October of 2013 um he was typically developing all the way like I mean hit all his milestones if not early like right on the day he 
walked the week of his first birthday, like did all the things on time. The one thing that he did did have a struggle with was like his language. Um, but he also had chronic ear infections and for the first like until he got his first set of tubes he was had like about a 90% hearing loss so there was kind of like a "Hmm, that makes sense that he was a little bit delayed on speech um we kind of started to notice some changes at about like 18 months 17 months and we got him into speech therapy and then at um, in May of 2015, yes, yes, we went and he went, we went to Johns Hopkins in, at Kennedy Krieger and he was diagnosed, um, with autism and we, our journey kind of like, um, that was like, I called that the gut, the gut punch day, like where you're kind of like, oh. This is not what I expected. I was hoping for a different answer. Um, But yeah, he, so now fast forward, he started going to, he went to preschool in like to the early childhood preschool in Henrico County. And then um, I was, has been in a self-contained classroom. Um, And then he, his kindergarten year was the first year of the pandemic. So he missed half of kindergarten and most of first grade. And now we have moved and he's in second grade and he's in a self-contained classroom here. Um, It's he's at like not our neighborhood school, but it's a neighborhood that isn't that far away. So we don't have like a big commute to school, but it's not like a walking school like most of the schools here are. and he is currently we are in he does ABA therapy they're working towards getting him more hours we started with like a smaller company here that is um really fantastic and um he also is still um limited verbalization um so he can say words Um, it's a behavior it's not an actual like there's not a reason that he's not talking like physically in his mouth um so and he can say words um it's just he it's like a choice Mm -hmm. so there were we he has a device that he uses for communication um but he goes back and forth on whether or not he enjoys using it um so for our listeners who don't know a lot of language that the three of us know and understand, can you unpack a little bit what a self-contained classroom means? Oh, yeah. So it means that Peter doesn't. So in a self-contained classroom, he is in the classroom for most of the day with other kids who have disabilities. So a lot of times there are different levels of where you are on a spectrum of having a disability and Peter, his behaviors currently are so are severe enough that in a regular classroom of like 18, 20 kids, he would not be able to function and do schoolwork and slash neither could the other kids to be quite honest. Um, So he 
is in a classroom with kids and it's a much smaller ratio. Um, I think his class right now, and most classes that are self-contained are very similar, like universally, where you have like a very small teacher student ratio. So there are usually three adults in the room to six kids. Um, So that I think is like a positive side of that. Um, And it's in the special ed world, it's considered a restrictive environment, meaning that it isn't, he isn't interacting as much with typically developing peers. Um, But right, and it's also more restrictive now because of COVID and like contact tracing. So the times where you did go out and you were in classes, so a lot of times in those self-contained rooms, you will go and have time with your typically developing peers during like your specials, which like library, those, you know, gem, those things. But right now, because of COVID and contact tracing, they don't really do that. So. Yeah. So it's a big disadvantage because those kiddos really need a, an influence of typical developing peers throughout their day. So because of COVID and that being taken away, we see a loss of socialization and a loss of other skills that I think, honestly, from what I see with my kids that I'm treating, there's so much social, there were levels of socialization that I don't think we all really understood how important it was during without COVID. And now with COVID, we're seeing, wow, they really did. That was, they were thriving when they were with their typical peers, which we knew, but I don't, I think seeing the different level now. Oh, I I would assume you, Peter, and just your background of your education. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, you know, like I, I know like Peter, even if COVID hadn't happened, he would really struggle in like the general population of school, like in a bigger mm-hmm. class size, like he, it, it would not be good for him. And like, I can see that, but I also like, he needs some interaction with typically mm-hmm. developing peers. Um, but it's, I I also think that like for him, I think that the going virtual for it, it was so detrimental to him. And it was, I, I can't describe to you like how far back he went, like in some capacities, but he also made like some major like self-care improvements for example before he was potty trained like and toileted but he was trip trained so like I had to take him like prompt him to go to the bathroom every Mm -hmm. I would do it like every 30 or 45 minutes just depending on like if he was drinking stuff now he will go to the bathroom himself you know do all the things I still have to yell at him to wash his hands but I have friends who have typically developing kids his age and that's evidently a norm so (laughs) like (laughs) Um, yeah, but like he'll go like I mean pull up you know do all the steps without me prompting him to do it. Yeah, learn so, that routine. Lauren, I have a fourteen-year-old son, <laughs> and we won't go into what I <laughs> mind him to do. Okay. Um, <laughs> before uh, Nicole asks goes into the next question, I just wanted to remember I said I had a question for you, but I wanted you to unpack a little bit about who Peter was. Do you? 
initiate um, play dates with any of the kids um, and their parents that he's in school with, um, like classmates? So I really haven't met many of the parents yet because, like, for example, I would love to go in and, like, volunteer and do, like, you know, cute little room mother things. They're kind of, like, covid Mm-hmm. like letting people in doing that right now mm-hmm. so um I haven't really I've met like one of the moms um they're in his class uh most of the kids are like kindergarten so he's like the oldest in the class right now um there aren't any kids so he will occasionally go over to the third grade classroom like the third through fifth grade classroom they're like connected um through like a hallway bathroom and he plays somewhat with some of those boys but a lot of them also um are like peter as well he gets picked up early from school so i don't like have that like for to go to therapies and i don't so some a lot of his peers also have the same thing where they leave early to go to therapies so i don't really see them but like i and also, he doesn't go to his neighborhood school, and most of those kids don't either. So it's kind of like a proximity thing. And that was also a lot of times the case in public school, too. Like, a lot of the kids that were in his class, they were not, they didn't live anywhere near the school. So to seek out friends for both Peter and for yourself to get the just the support that you need as a mom and with somebody else who's living in your shoes, it's, it's not easy. And it really takes a lot of effort. um, When you already feel like you're stretched at, you know, stretch within your day, stretch within just the capacity of what else you can put on your plate. um, It's definitely not as easy as, a typically developing peer and a mom um, wanting to arrange play dates. And I, and I'm not like saying this to be like, uh, like harsh or mean, like sometimes like I don't necessarily always want to hang out with someone just because their kid has special, like, or has a disability or special needs. And I, I use those terms interchangeably sometimes. Um, but like, I, Like, I, I, that doesn't, I don't necessarily want that to be the basis of our, like, relationship. Like, Mm -hmm. Peter happens to have autism, but I don't want to just be friends with someone because of the fact that their kid has, I mean, that would be nice to have, like, some camaraderie, but, like, I don't, sometimes, like, selfishly, I guess, I don't want that for myself, I guess. I don't know how to describe it other than, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I want to think. I want to meet a friend who, like, I have other things in common other than just being like crusader of Peter, like, and mm-hmm. all the things. So, well, and I think that goes back to how you talked about belonging, and it can be in all areas of just no judgment, free zone with no ex. Like I said, no judgments that unconditional love of just being who you are and being accepted for who you are, whether you're around people with disabilities or not. And I think that, I think it just depends on between you and Peter and where you really feel yourself. 
um, kind of where you can grow and how to initiate friendships. And, you know, we, of course we have things in common with people, um, and that can usually start the foundation of a friendship, but you're right. You don't have to just seek out parents or moms or other kids that are similar to Peter, um, for him or for you to feel like you belong and have extra contribution to whatever either. It's, it should be open book, no rules per se. Lauren, since you're an educator and special ed um, and have that knowledge and the training and the advocacy that you had with your students, do you feel like that helped you or prepared you once you got Peter's diagnosis? Um, so I, it's kind of like twofold. Yes, on the I understood everything in the appointments, testing, meetings. I had the educational background of like I from the other side of the table. So I understood what they were saying when they were throwing out the jargon, which is what happens in special ed. It's for people who aren't familiar. It's a lot of acronyms and people use them and don't necessarily explain them to everyone at the table who aren't in the background. So, um, and I, and I knew I had more knowledge on like different types of therapies, different doctors, like how to, how a goal should be written for an IEP, that side. Um, but it's still no, because I was, I, you know, as much education as I had, like, it's totally different mm-hmm. on the other side of the table. Like we, I, I can't describe it other than it's like it's a meeting to someone like who is the educator sometimes but to the parent it's like a life-altering life-ending moment mm-hmm. and I just you know like there's so much going on in that meeting and for a lot most of the people there it's just a meeting so and you know and I know that that's a weird way to describe it but it's um I think that it really changed my, like, I still like, you know, I'm constantly like, did I do the right thing? Is this the right? And like, also like when I look at stuff, I'm like, am I looking at this and I think it's bad because it's just for my kid or is it actually like bad or like not Mm -hmm. right? So like, I, you know, like I'll definitely, I have to like sometimes be like, if I saw this as just his teacher, would this be okay? And like, versus I have to like take away the mom hat is what I like have to do. Um, But I think for me on the teaching side, it really did make me like Peter helped me be a better, like understand, like more understanding and more empathetic towards what was going on at home with a lot of like, like with a lot of my students. And like Mm. when I was sitting in meetings where there were parents there, like, I knew what it felt like. So I felt like I was a better, just a better educator all around because I Mm -hmm. knew what they were going through and how awful an IEP meeting can be. And so, and it's just, I I can't describe it. It doesn't get easier. And Mm -hmm. I know you said in your last podcast, Emily, like, yeah, I listened to the last episode, like how you're like, I'm not going to miss that. And I was like, oh, no one will ever miss that. I literally just wrote down on my notepad to Nicole when you were talking about IEPs. I'm like, I hate IEPs. <laughs> it is the absolute worst. 
And I and I don't like. I, I I can't just like and and even as like when I was like going through school, like I can remember learning about like and how to like meet. Like they taught you how to like run an IEP meeting and do all those things. I was it just felt. I just it feels very um and I like I understand why it has to be the way it is because of the other side, but a lot of times it just feels like the other side of the table as like the educators sometimes aren't as they're just trying to like make it fit into a box perfectly and sometimes it's just not gonna work that way. Mm-hmm. What um so since you are on both sides of the table, personally and professionally, what would you say to teachers, case managers, people that work in the school system right now? Because um, some of them are listening. I have a lot of teacher friends that have um, already listened and got great feedback. Um, but what would you just say as a general reminder that this isn't this isn't just paper? This is my child. Um, so just expand on that of just a friendly reminder. What would you say to any of the teachers listening right now? Um, I think one of the like best like ways to describe it is, and like what I would say, because I've also been a teacher and like they're like, and I had meetings and I had all these things and I definitely like, I, it's exhausting on both sides. Like I get that. Um, but it's not just a meeting for the family who's sitting over there. And remember that like this little person that you're talking about is like very much loved. And you have to like, just remember that the parents are really scared. Like they're scared because most of them have no idea what you're talking about. And they're trusting in the fact that you're doing the, what is best for the student and not like just remember that you should be doing what is best for the student not what works best for school what works best for like it should remember that it's Mm child-centered and I think sometimes it gets away from that and and also like being positive during the meetings I can it just sometimes takes like negative turns very easily like, uh, I can remember, like, Peter's first IEP, they wrote, like, one sentence, basically, about one thing that maybe he was positive about him. And then, like, the rest was just, like, horrible, like, describing him and, like, how they talked about him. And I was just, like, he is, like, really a cool kid. Like, <laughs> like there are really cool and positive things about him. And, like, I, I think sometimes that, like, you're just getting lost in making sure the meeting is gonna end on time end here like everything's done you forget like it's still people's feelings yeah it is oh I echo everything you say Lauren (laughs) everything you just said and I've been guilty of it on the educator side being like oh my god can we please get this meeting over water like like, I've been guilty of that on the parent side so yeah yeah definitely um can we we're going to ask you another question um and it's around labels this is a question that we really just have found to just have a a nice conversation with all of our guests that we have on 
special needs versus disability. Um, are you accustomed to using one more than the other or do you use both interchangeably? Is there some other language you use that we didn't mention? Um, so I kind of, I use them pretty interchangeably and I was actually like, kind of like thinking, I like thought really hard about it. And I think I use special needs more when I'm describing Peter to a group of parents who have children with disabilities, but it would be like different disabilities. Like it's not only like parents of kids with autism or like that kind of thing. So, and I call it like first date special needs is my first state word autism is and like disability are my like more in depth like situation so like when you first meet a person you can just describe like uh they have special needs and like you don't want to like really like unpack everything with them um and then like people who you're talking to and or I would say like in a more official capacity like if we're talking about school or like talking to insurance it's a disability and I I use that term more um when I was teaching in school like I went back and forth on like how to describe disability to students but like one of the ways that like I really like tried to describe it was having a disability doesn't mean like you're unable to do things you're just not going to be able to do it like everyone else and you're going to need to figure out a way to do something and it may not be it may take you years it may not ever really happen that way but you may be able to do something else that is the same so doesn't mean that you're get a pass not to it just means that you're probably going to have to work harder to do and be in the world yeah i like how you um say the first date and then yeah i really like that i really like that (laughs) Well, like, yeah, I, it's just kind of like, because a lot of times as soon as you like say, oh, like I have a son with autism, I, like I swear the first thing people are like, I know someone with autism. Yes. <laughs> um, and like, sometimes it, if it's people like you're just like, you know, acquaintance, like kind of things like I don't necessarily always want to discuss it all the time. So he can just be my child. Like Peter can just be my boy. Like yeah. that's it. And like Peter's your Peter. <laughs> yeah. And like I know, like for you, Emily, I feel like special needs would be than saying Rett syndrome because the next question out of everyone's mouth will be, "What is that?" At least with autism, people it's a little more like out there, and like everybody, like you know, it's a little more common place. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Rett syndrome would be. Like, they would want to have, like, the entire definition down the line. Like, blah, 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 blah. Like, what is this? Well, so many times when I say Rett syndrome, they go, oh, I know somebody with Rett syndrome. And I'm like, oh, really? And then they realize it's not Rett syndrome. It's Tourette's syndrome. Oh. And I'm like, completely different. Completely not the same. Not the same completely different. That happened <laughs> so many times uh, when she was first diagnosed. Um. Well, I mean, when I I, I'll be honest, when Anna Kate started and we, I, like, I immediately, like, we got her paper, like, she visited, got her paperwork, and then, like, that was, like, one of the things, I immediately got on, like, the Google, and I was, like, Red Syndrome, and, like, was just reading all about it, and I was, like, this is incredibly fascinating, but, and I, I mean, it's, you know, like, less common things, I could see using special needs in that capacity, and then I feel like 
disability sometimes just seems more like official sounding I guess and um I liked what Elizabeth's saying that like a label is a label like let's just put the label on it like instead of like having so much language but Mm -hmm. I also some people are really scared to use the word disability because they they feel like when you're saying it that means that like they're a person is unable and I don't know we need to invent a new word like a totally I feel like at some in some respect we feel like we need a word or society feels like we need a word to put spinal bifida, Rett syndrome, muscular dystrophy, cystic fibrosis, autism. Like we need to categorize all of that into one word. But like Elizabeth said, they're all so different. Do we really need a word for an umbrella for all of that? Or can it just be everybody is in their own yeah, in their own lane of what they have? Because all of those are completely different disabilities, special needs, however, whatever you want to call it. And I liked what she said about like how like her, like her mom, like describing like her mom has some special needs, like wanting to have like, I was like, uh, yeah, (laughs) I feel that way too. Like, I feel like everybody has some special needs. Yeah, definitely. Well, I was thinking about that earlier today because after, you know, when you record and then you listen to it and you listen to it and you listen to it. You think about things like, oh, I should have brought that up. So when I heard that and I listened to it for like five more times afterward, I thought I wouldn't necessarily call that a special need. I would call that a special request. Like she had a special request that she wants to sit outside or by a window and have the nice view. To me, a special need is like an actual physical need. That somebody has. She didn't need to have that view. She wanted that view. So it was more of a True. request. Yeah. No, I when see. I was when I listened to it five times, that's kind of how how I was um, how I thought about it. The more that I listened to it, um, or you could say where I'm coming from, like it's not, and because my mom's the same exact way, or I could be the same exact way, but I would view that more as a special request that I'm asking. It's not a need that I have versus Anna Kate has specific special needs that need to be met in order for X, Y, Z to happen. Oh yeah. No. And I, I, yeah, no, I see that too. I, yeah, that actually makes like a lot more sense, but yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Thanks for sharing your perspective. Cause that's the thing. We just want to hear others perspectives and, where they are with language and um, what they're feeling. So another question, um, what are one or two things you would want to share with a parent, a friend, or even a coworker that isn't raising a child with a disability to know? I guess with like the, like other parents, like of like, I would, this is more addressed to like typically developing parents, like kids with, parents with typically developing kids um like keep inviting those the kid from the class to the birthday parties like like you know we might not come but like keep doing it like Mm -hmm. and maybe like if you know that like there's a child in your child's class or if there's a kid in your neighborhood who has a disability like you know try to like talk about it with your kid and I 
I, you know, and like, for example, my husband went to a school, like actually he went to the same school that Emily's son goes to. Um, and he was like, I never knew anybody with a disability until my net, our nephew has autism. He's a few, he's in seventh grade. So he was like, I didn't really know anybody with a disability, like growing up. So, you know, he, he his experience in the world with people with a disability is very new. So, you know, just kind of like learning more about that world from like a different perspective. Um, and then also just, um, I guess like, this is more of like acquaintance people will do this. Um, they'll, they'll like compare their child's like develop, like, you know, say things and like be like, Oh, like, Oh, your child has a hard time sleeping. Like they're like, have you tried? <laughs> and I'm like, no, like I didn't try melatonin. Really? Is this new? Like, come on. <laughs> like, like, and that's, I mean, that like happened and they're, and they're like, Oh, like maybe try like a relaxing bath. <laughs> and it's mostly, so I like, a lot of people I know, their kids are younger than Peter, like my age, like people are younger, kids are younger than Peter. So when they're making these suggestions, I'm just like, mm, oh, yeah, no, we never tried that. <laughs> Been there, done that. I need the next suggestion that you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, like, that's like, I, I appreciate being... it, but right? it's, it's out of kindness, but sometimes <laughs> they're just like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, he tried. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess, like, to parents who are also, like, starting this journey of, like, you know, there, there's something maybe different going on with their child. Like, um, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the tunnel caves in and you have to <laughs> dig it out. But, like, that's, like, keep asking for help. Like, um, I was really blessed to work at a place like North Star where I actually had like I didn't feel uncomfortable asking parents like Emily and different parents like what how did you deal with this like what have you done and that's I guess that's I tend to like gravitate towards asking parents who are like farther along in the journey like questions from like now for like what's going on with Peter so like yeah I love that Lauren the light at the end of the tunnel um piece like there there really is a light and when we are in it it's so hard to even imagine that there is a light or to see a light so going along with that thought that there is this light at the end of the tunnel what is one thing or two things that peter has taught you that only peter could have taught you um i mean like he constantly is teaching me like just a little something something every day but like the biggest thing is i like one of the things was it was okay to not be okay like that doesn't mean that i can't like i shouldn't like i can like lay down and just like knock it up that day but it's okay to like not feel okay about everything that's going on and then um just seeking out and like not internalizing like asking and 
asking for the help that you need, like as like a individual person, like those first days of like diagnosis and going to all the different doctors and all those things, like um, you kind of get like just lost, like, and you can attest to that. You get lost in like just all of the appointments and like you forget to like take care of you. And like, I did that for a few years, like, and like, it was like, I was not me. Like, I I was like, okay, like, I need to get back to me. So like, kind of like taking a moment and like, yes, you have to be your child's warrior and like doing all those things, but you still have to be you. Like, uh, you need to take care of you because who's going to take care of your kid if you're not taking care of you? So what fills your cup when you're running dry? Um... I mean, some, I mean, it just depends on how, it depends on how dry the cup is and how, like, where I am on the um, days, like, of, with Peter, it's just, like, a different, different things. So, some of it might just be watching, like, really trashy, terrible television, like, (laughs) escaping. Um, Some of it might just be going out to, like, a dinner. Um. One thing that I actually think is really awesome since we moved here is that um, so we don't have a yard anymore. So we have to take the dogs on walks. So my husband and I will take Peter to school in the morning. And the way his job is, he's he doesn't have like an office he goes to. He does sales. So he we can come home and we take our dogs on like a really long walk. And a lot of times we'll go and get coffee. And that was something like we just never could do when I was teaching like I went to work most of the time before he got up and like so it was just like a different that has helped a lot with like that kind of thing um even just having like a little chat with like friends facetimes like with people catching up with like friends that like you know I don't see every day kind of thing mm-hmm. um let's see what else fills up my cup uh also occasionally being able to like have like a night away from Peter. So like mm-hmm. we're really blessed. Like I know like Emily has her parents. Like my mom is Grammy is the bomb. Like right now Peter is <laughs> actually with Grammy because he's the loudest nonverbal child in the world. Um and <laughs> like so she you know like she'll take him for like a couple hours or even for like an overnight. And that like break it's just you need it figuring out like how to get yourself a break even if it's five minutes locking yourself in the bathroom I've had to do that before and just be like I'm not here (laughs) yeah oh yeah absolutely I agree I can imagine um that now the fact that you're not working and Peter's in school and you have your mom with you that you are able to actually get together with your mom during the day and have some time together that you didn't necessarily have in the, in your, um, when you lived in Richmond. Um, yes. Like, so I, I told my mom, I was like, uh, I like you a lot, but I think I need other friends because we only hang out with each other. Um, <laughs> but, um, and she was like, no, I feel the same way. And, um, <laughs> and, no, it, it, that's like been really nice. And then, um, I mean, but in Richmond, so before we moved, my husband got his job here and was like here 
most of the time. So my mom was actually living in our house um, for a while. But, like, we were basically, like, we didn't get to, like, hang out. It was, like, passing of the guard. Like, my mom was helping with Peter because he was at home learning up until, like, March of last year slash, like, even some days during the week. And then I was at school. So I like it was like we had dinner together, but like we were both like just so drained, like we didn't get to like it was just living, not you know, thriving, surviving was what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Because my husband would also be in Florida for like he would cut he would be gone for three weeks and then be home for a week. So it's definitely surviving, not thriving. Well, if any of our listeners live in Tampa, Florida, you have a new resident who would love to get together for a glass of wine or a coffee. Um, all right, Lauren, we have one last question. And of course, we didn't send this one to you, but it's one that we'd love to ask. What is something you are loving right now? And it can literally be anything. Um, so I'm really loving, I bought myself for me from me Christmas gift. Um, (laughs) I do that every year. Um, and I bought the Our Place, uh, pot and pan. Yes, I have that. And I'm obsessed. Yes. The all things like all purpose cooking. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So there's, yeah. Sorry. So there's the pan and the pot and like, I, um, what color so did you get? I got the blue one. <gasps> That's the one that I have too. Also, um, I'm like, like I'm like, you can't touch it to my husband. I'm like, absolutely not. You are not allowed to use it. Um, you have to ha- know the lessons on how to use it. Um, <laughs> I was the same way. I think I have to save at least one of my pans for the other kid for the kids and say, this is what you can use. I was getting oh. ready to get rid of all my pans, and yeah, I'm like, it's okay, amazing. I'm gonna save like it really is amazing. a couple. Well, I guess I have to, I don't know if I'll buy my pan yet, but I'm just going to come over and cook at Emily's house. <laughs> Wouldn't be abnormal. So I'm coming over say, to cook and I'm going to use the pans. <laughs> I would say I would try. I was like, just, I, just do it. Like, I would just do it. Um, definitely a great conversation. Hope our listeners have definitely walked away with some nuggets and some fresh perspective. Um Thank you so much, uh, you. Lauren, for just sharing and being vulnerable with a lot of those questions. We appreciate you and all that you're doing for Peter and hoping that transition still gets smoothly or smooth goes smoother um, as you guys settle in and tackle life together in a brand new place. Well, thank you. And it was great. And I, I love the podcast. It's amazing. Um, um, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you. All right. Goodbye, friends. We hope you enjoyed another conversation and learned something that may change how you view people living with disabilities. Feel free to drop us a comment, like, and please share. 